Hello and welcome to another episode of Say Something Interesting. I'm Megan and this is the follow-up follow-up podcast for East Lake Tri Cities Church. And with me as always is Brent. Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for the applause, I oh, guess. Yeah. Hey, good to see uh, everybody. Well, not see you, but thanks for uh, listening in and, and doing all this stuff. Megan's a little under the weather, but sure she am. crushed that intro, though. Yeah. So I she sure was a little did. nervous about it. So I haven't done it in a while. She's got a, t- uh, a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> sitting there. She pulled it out, and I was like, I got a little nervous. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I explained it, though. I don't have portable tissues, so I was like, next best thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there, there's going to be some fantastic noises coming through. <laughs> no, I'm going sure to adjust your volume. I'm going to hold it in as much okay, as I can. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, just finished up week two of our minimalism series, and it is uh, cold in the Tri-Cities, but still no yes. snow. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are not around here, we're just updating you on random weather facts. But it is uh, <laughs> it is like the dead of winter, and you can kind of feel it. It's kind of dark yeah, we all got day long. the inversion it's going on. like gray and gloomy and yeah. ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta like go somewhere and do something different. So yeah. how how are you uh how are you keeping up your energy? What's your what's your secret to keeping up energy and positivity in this? Do you got like one of those lamps no. that reflects no. the sun? I don't or? really do I don't have like the seasonal affected as much as a yeah. lot of people. But um you know, just people and making sure I laugh enough. Making sure you laugh enough. Yeah. <laughs> by by doing how does that work? I don't know, just like hanging out with people and watching funny things or reading funny things. Yeah. Or do you uh do you find yourself going to bed earlier in this in this kind of season? Um because like ten o'clock rolls around and it feels like about four in the morning yeah. for me. And I'm Not- exhausted. <laughs> and I'm so old. I'm like, what time is it? She's like, oh, it's like eight thirty. And I'm like <laughs> Oh man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> That's on you. You said you were tired, not me. Uh, no, but I also am in a like working full time and full time student season of life, and sure. so I want to go to bed earlier. Yeah. But. Uh, Kylie has been going, to, and, and and rightfully so. She's still up. Clive is up multiple times a night. Yeah. She's a hero. Um, I rarely hear him, so I I always <laughs> wake up and I'm like, "How did you do last night?" And she's and because I I think it's I always try and like lean positive, like, "Hey, uh-huh. sound like it was a great night," because I never woke up, and she'll roll over and be like, five times, <laughs> I want to punch you. I'm so tired. I want to punch Clive, but I really I can't. Yeah. Right, so I'm gonna punch you. Yeah. Um, so which she posted is, yesterday. She was like, "I'm so grumpy. I was so grumpy, grumpy today," and yeah. I was like, "What?" Like, I know she probably put on her pastor's wife face at church, but yeah. I was like, you were grumpy. You could not, you could have fooled me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's, uh, dude, life with kids, man. Like, so one of our favorite uh, comedians, recent ones, is a guy named Nate Bargatze. Have you heard of Nate? Have no. we? I think we've shown him once before on, on Sunday mornings, but he, he has this bit about kids and bringing them home from the hospital and how the doctor comes in and, and like, they're giving this life advice. And it's, it feels awkward as a first-time parent because you're like, no, I've like waited for nine months for this and like all my life and, and we're so excited. We got a nursery and the crib's all set up. And then the doctor comes in and go, and, or the nurse or whoever, and you're getting ready to go home and they're going to be like, all right, now here's the deal. Um, you're going to want to shake that baby. I'm going <laughs> to tell you, I don't, please don't shake that baby. And, you're like, and at first your parent, you're like, uh, why would I ever, why yeah. would I want to do that? I would never like, want to shake my precious child. Yeah, why would I shake my baby? He's like, well, I'm just telling you, there's going to come a point, three in the morning, <laughs> you're going to want to shake that thing. I, I'm I'm going to need a real big favor. It's such a funny bit, mm-hmm, and I'm not mm-hmm. doing it justice. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways, so she, she's she been calling it early, and uh, I've uh, been a warrior and staying up later. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a lot of reading. Some of my best, like, Reading time is all the kids yeah. are asleep. She's asleep. Uh, but the other night, Saturday night, I knew I was talking on Sunday morning. 
about again this idea of uh, minimalism and and tidying up and and I had uh, heard so many people talk about this tidying up with Marie Kondo show that I decided to watch an episode by myself. Mm-hmm. And you and I, I, I asked you just before we pushed record, have watched the same episode, or at least part of the yeah. same episode, mm-hmm. uh, which was the first one that you just kind of go into. It's a, a parents of two little kids and how do you um, deal with the stuff that's going on in the house. And and then in walks this little uh, tiny Japanese lady who's like, I don't know what, four foot nothing probably. And, <laughs> and if there's a strong wind at the door, it's like, well, yeah. we can't film today because she you can't You can tell it. though she's like powerful oh totally yeah like like, totally in control and like is incredibly smart and just sweet as a button all that good stuff um just so tiny you know Mm -hmm. and she comes in and she's she's looking everything and she's got that like japanese cordiality where it's like oh yeah this is nice (laughs) really nice place here you know and i'm sure i'm sure places yeah immaculate and and whatever she talks about the smallness of her kitchen over at home Uh but like you get that that uh yeah, some of these parents are like we're just trying to keep her head above water, and how, how do you do it with your kids, you know? And she's like, "Oh, my kids are little angels." So <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, like, "They see me enjoy it, and so they do it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and watching them go through their stuff, and it did. It does. I don't know. It's it's one of those shows. I think you should watch because it does. You walk away from it, and you go, um, "A, um, maybe my house isn't as bad as as I thought." Because <laughs> their house wasn't actually that bad, but I've no. heard that some yeah. of the other episodes, like the Christmas decorations, are all over the place or whatever. Uh, but then also, you're like, "I should do some uh, tidying up in my." Mm-hmm. So um, I asked you if you'd done any, and you said no. Just, but you're you're busy. I get yeah. it. Um, but uh, I know for us in our household, we've been we've been uh, we've yeah. been stockpiling. Well, some stuff and away, I have like I live in probably a 200 square foot apartment, so maybe like really, probably, yeah, it's tiny. 200 square feet? No, is that big? I don't know square footage. No, it's that's small. not it's big. small. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty small. Like. So I don't have a lot of space to put a lot of things anyway. Yeah. And so. How, how many square feet do you think this room is? I have no idea. How many square feet is this room? <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying square footage. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> okay. So that wall over there, and I know you can't see this because of the podcast. Let's let's be generous uh-huh. and say that that's 20 feet. That's uh, okay. not 20 feet. It's probably like 16, yeah. 18, something like that. Let's say that's 20. <laughs> It's like less than time for me. Then, then let's say that this wall is twenty, which this wall may be twenty because this That's is true. a further wall. All right. That's four hundred. Four hundred square okay, feet. Okay, so it's so maybe. So you're saying no. is your apartment is mm. less than half of this room? No, it's probably about the size of this room. Okay. Maybe a little bit. Hey, longer I'm not trying to skinnier. dig on your apartment. I'm just trying to re- <clears throat> figure out: Do you live in a no. closet? <laughs> Because that's about the size of 200 square feet. No. It's maybe closer to like four, 500 then. Okay. All right. So like a little studio apartment? Yeah. Okay. It has a loft though, which is nice. Oh, well, there you go. There's added square footage right there. Yeah, but it's Let's count it up. Is that where the bed is? Up uh-huh. top? That's cool. You have to like climb a ladder to get up there? Well, I have a spiral staircase. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, party at Megan's house. Yeah, in my... But we can only invite three people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I, I swear I'm not house shaming. We're ha- we're laughing together at this. This we is are. this is all good. Um, but uh, if you ever wanted to double your square footage, you're more than welcome to this room. No, yeah. it's bigger than this. Room. Okay, <laughs> good, good to hear. Uh, that's great. Um, uh, so uh, the other day, uh, yesterday on our, before the the talk or whatever. Yeah. We showed a video clip. I didn't even know what it was. Chris said I found a perfect one or something like that. And it was perfect. It was. It was like unbelievable. It was this uh, comedian who talked about how in every relationship there's a clean and a dirty one, and not just every relationship, like, but like if, if you have a like roommate, house, yeah. yeah. And I remember that at college, um, 
I had uh, I had very dirty roommates. Oh, uh, you were the clean one. Well, okay, take that back. I had three roommates my senior year, so mm-hmm. we lived in a like a two bedroom apartment. My roommate in my room, and I'll say his name. His name is Ryan Brewer. <laughs> was the dirtiest. Was so dirty. <laughs> Uh, the other two were very were clean. Were very mm-hmm. clean. They actually cleaned their bathroom, but our bathroom was the one that was like uh, in the hallway that like uh, was the public bathroom uh-huh. that when people when we would have friends over. Yeah, and I remember repeatedly our uh, and this I'm, this is so gross, but um, our shower curtain was so nasty mm-hmm. that we would not try and clean it. We would just go to Walmart and buy yes. another one. Every I don't know, th- probably three months. I bet we bought. <laughs> I bet we bought three shower curtains in the nine month semester that we lived there. Um, because you'd see it and you'd be like, "Oh man, I don't even know if I'm getting clean anymore." Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it was. And I'm 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 not like a dirty person. I I hope that Kylie can vouch. Like when it comes to in every relationship, there's a clean, dirty one. Like for sure, she's the clean one. For yeah. sure, I'm the dirty one. Um, because I have no problem with my clothes being properly laid out like on our bathtub or on this like little dresser <laughs> thing like i'll just set it there for a, a couple of days mm-hmm. until i get to it and hers are never ever ever out like that so um in that relationship yeah. she's definitely that but i thought it was funny well and in between um um someone who works here gary lau he came up to me and he's like so megan are you the clean one or the dirty one and i was like well i guess it kind of depends on how clean other people i'm living with are but I think more often than not, I'm the clean one. Yeah. So. <laughs> when was the last time you had a roommate? Um, does living with my parents after college count? No. Then senior year of college. Okay. So like ten years ago. And in that scenario, you were the clean one. Um, like that was weird. I'm like, I'm like no, it doesn't count officially. <laughs> I checked the roster online. Does not count. Um, uh, I don't. It, it can count it if you count. want it to. But. Uh, so. I think I was like somewhere in the middle. I think because I had three other roommates that year also. Yeah. And I was definitely not the dirtiest one, but I also like, I think we each had areas where it was like, this needs to be clean or this isn't. But I was probably on the cleaner side. Can I say that the cleanliness, dirtiness issue was like minimal, even though my roommate was super dirty. Like, I think I balanced it out. And so it was manageable for all of us. So that was never like a huge issue. Every once in a while, they'd be like, hey, you should probably clean that bathroom. We're having some friends over. Yeah. Um, But the biggest issue was the food thing and shared fridge, shared cupboard space and all of those items that you purchase that you're like, hey, I know it makes sense for us to share milk. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that you drink three quarters of a gallon to my quarter gallon, and I'm and I'm the one paying for it, mm-hmm. right? And or cereal, I all of that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know how you dealt with that dynamic in there. If you were like, no, we'll just be like the uh, you know socialist. No, we approach each had of, shelves. And did you? Don't yeah. touch my stuff on my shelf. Well, and it wasn't like a don't touch my stuff, but it was definitely a ask if yeah. like it, like you're welcome to ask, and if you if I'm like if it's available, definitely I'm gonna share. I'll share with you. Yeah. But like sp- like uh like spices like if you need to yeah. use salt and pepper like uh, dude I don't I don't yeah. give a rip right, but like when you're chowing down three bowls of my cereal and i like i like i i just bought it yesterday and i opened the box and now it's half gone and i'm like all right man that's just pure (laughs) laziness so i ended up starting and i don't know how you feel about this i'd write my name on all of my now we did have shelves but that didn't stop them that not them i should not 
throw. It's just him. Yeah, just him. <laughs> just Ryan Brewer at brian.brewer at gmail.com if he's listening. Um, and he would get so offended that I wrote. Oh, really? He'd be like, oh, writing your name on, like, obviously in a joking yeah. manner, but like laughing. And I'm like, dude, you should write your name on both of the things that you've bought this nine month semester. <laughs> I will, I swear I won't touch them. And he'd laugh and do all this kind of stuff. And we'd, it'd be like half joking, but half like, no, but freaking seriously, yeah. here's a, like a coffee can throws 10 bucks in there once in a while. And then I won't care as much. Occasionally but, we do like, like family meals and we'd all kind of pitch in for it, but yeah. Oh. Well, Oh, like as a roommate. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, that's, that's different. Like, yeah. If we're doing this together and I say, hey, dude, help yourself, that's fine. But, like, we were on different schedules, and so it was yep. – then all of a sudden I go in and half my <laughs> – I sound so bitter. <laughs> in, that, in those moments, though, I was incredibly yeah. bitter. But um, uh, Well, and uh, calling out Gary, he was like, I'm okay with a lot of places except the kitchen. He's like, every roommate I've ever had, I've told them that if it's in the sink for more than 24 hours, it's going to end up on their bed. And I was like, oh, Gary Lau. <laughs> Gary does strike me if you know yeah. Gary as like the as a clean one as uh -huh. a clean freak and um passive aggressive at first but then very like aggressive. straightforward yeah. yeah like it that transitions to just straight aggressiveness yeah. real soon like no I I'm not dealing with this yeah. and, and now I'm very angry with you yeah um but you know whatever <laughs> each his own yeah. I suppose uh, all right, so we should probably jump into some message uh, yeah. discussion stuff. We uh, worked uh, through uh, number two, talk to part two of, of minimalism series. I had a great look at a passage. I say great look. I'm just I'm talking about my own stuff there. So, <laughs> which is hilarious. Which given is ironic. What we talked about. <laughs> material, I totally get it. But First uh, Timothy chapter six, Paul's advice to Timothy about running a church like a pot shop um, <laughs> and having all of the, the weird. If if that. Uh, if you didn't listen to the talk, then that last line was like, I think my app just like yeah. said something uh -huh. different. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can assure you that it didn't. Uh, you should you should probably go listen to it so then you can hear it. Yeah. But That was um, a really funny part. All of, of the lack of the regulations. So that my favorite part of that uh -huh. was in the front row. Um, do you know Brian McDowell's dad, Greg? Uh, I've seen him. All I'm right. sure. Tough guy. Worked at Hanford Patrol. Like kind of like that whole like probably was a federal agent and just undercover his whole life and just uh, i don't yeah. know like you just don't know enough about him he's a tough tough shell of a guy really nice once you get to know him but um yeah anyways so i said that and i think <laughs> like 90 percent of the room was like did he just <laughs> and greg in the front row just let out the biggest laugh all by himself just is I don't even. Service? I can't. No, this was this was first. Really? I, and I and I know Kylie said the same thing. She's like, I didn't hear it, and it was real short and it was real quick. But right yeah. away, it was just a quick. Ah! <laughs> That's all it was. <laughs> and then after service in the lobby, he came up to me. and goes, I just want you to know, you totally got me there. <laughs> like out of left field, did not see it coming. Woke me up from like a dead sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that was all. That's always fun to hear um, yeah. stories about that. But uh, I there's a couple things that I I wanted to go into that I just felt like were super good, like interesting stuff, but um, didn't get a chance to for the sake of time. And that's what this thing is for. So I, I talked about a tweet from Eileen Webb. Um, her her uh, Twitter handle is different than Eileen Webb, but I'm sure if you typed it in, you'd find it. Um, 
uh, she did some stories about her dad, and I read a great one about the postcards that from from the kid who threw the bottle in the in the lake, and then <laughs> responded from landlocked towns in yeah. Wisconsin, and <laughs> Oklahoma. Fantastic. Uh, what I didn't mention was that her she also posted a link to a um not a biography. What's the uh, not a memoir? What's the obituary? Obituary. Yeah, obituary. Um, from. Uh, some, uh, I think it was Washington Post or it was like a big newspaper that did oh. like this little story on, on her dad because he was a secret agent in the FBI and was the lead for the team that did the raid on Ted Kaczynski's house. He was the Unabomber in huh. somewhere, nowhere, Montana and, um, kind of recounted how they had kind of come to the conclusion. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't. I was really young when that happened. I remember people talking about it and and whatever. And I don't know. You're younger than me, right? So yeah. Uh, but you know, kind of the backstory of a little bit of the Unabomber, right? Mm-hmm. He's like intellectual, went to Harvard, um, and then starts sending all of these bombs in these packages, and then begins writing about um, writing letters anonymously and po- and then sending them to different newspapers, asking them to to kind of like post this, like, "Hey, it's me," and I'm I'm sending these, but obviously hiding his identity. Um, but then he begins to talk. The, the giveaway was his his anti stance towards technology, and uh, like was very vehemently against all of the stuff that's going on with this. And his actually his brother read it and was like, "This sounds like my brother talking." And he's the one who gave the tip to the FBI. Wow. The FBI showed up at his house, and Eileen's web dad, uh, Eileen Webb's dad, was there. Uh, went in. I don't think Ted was at home at the time because I remember he uh, reading about how he walked in and saw all of the wiring and all of the stuff that's going on, all the materials. And his words to FBI headquarters was, "This is it. We found him. Definitely it." And just a really cool kind of backstory to that. Um, to kind of put life on this and and even realize for her that wasn't the th- again that wasn't the thing that she pointed to when she was rem- memorializing her dad um that's a pretty cool story like that leads well at a party hey yeah tell me about your life well here's here's two truths and a lie one was my dad is an fbi agent who found ted kaczynski well that's probably a lie actually it's the truth you know what i mean like <laughs> i win i'm cooler than you um she doesn't lead with that. She doesn't lead with trophies yeah. and accomplishments and titles and whatever. Um, she leads with, he, well, he was this really interesting. He always was in for a joke and was creative and, and involved in that. And I don't know, you talked about a, a little bit in between service about how much that story stood out to you and just the the perspective of it is relationships, it is people, and it's not things. Yeah, because um, you also mentioned about, towards the end, about uh, like building towards our eternity and... Um, from that was like from the verse that you yeah. had, and that and I thought that that story just really beautifully illustrates how our eternity is based on our relationships and based on how uh, we interact with the people who we are blessed to have in our lives. Because even like yeah, that's what she remembers about her dad, but that's also what that boy growing into a man remembers. Like yeah. he remembers this whole experience of getting all these letters from all these different places from this random stranger who, you know, well, and well, at first he probably thought strangers, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's like, that's his legacy. Like, yeah, he has all these really cool accomplishments and other things that in the media or in the mainstream might be perceived as his legacy, but his true legacy is, is like silly mischievous nature and the like 
So, and the relationships that he built with the people that he had to be around. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, and that's that you can't take it with you mentality. Yeah, sure. So. Just from a different perspective, right? We yeah. all heard, we've all heard that phrase, but then when you put it in this t- sort of terms and create so, sort of story around it, it means that much more. Probably my favorite part of the the talk, and and by far the most convicting part, was the dialogue, uh, the imaginary dialogue between the sophist and his disciple uh, about talking about his his recent uh, talk in front of people and how great it was, and what my favorite point was, and how many people were involved, and how why they why m- more people liked my event than than the other person's <laughs> event, and uh, uh, convicting because uh, from an insider standpoint, from pa- pastoral work, you try and disassociate yourself and your personal identity from like your uh, work as a church, but that's really hard to do in the same way that it's hard for a lot of people to distinguish. Like I am my own individual, and then what I do, I want to be effective at work, and I want to have all this stuff. Uh, but like, if it succeeds, great. If it fails, it doesn't mean that I'm a personal failure, you know, that kind of thing. And so yeah. that's really hard to do, even in as in, in pastoral work. And so when this when I read this thing, I like I remember having to like put the book down and being like, <laughs> oh, because we just came out of like Christmas Eve services where I'm, I like had this dialogue, you know, almost to a <laughs> word T. For word. Yeah, almost word for word. And I didn't want Kylie to see it. Yeah. Then, you know, she's she. uh she would see it and how shallow of a husband she married. <laughs> but um, I mentioned to you in between, I was like, if I ever got it, and Amy, I think was in the room too. Mm-hmm. If I ever got a chance to do sort of a like heart to heart with pastors in this line or other vocational ministers, this would be a, one of the stories that I would bring up. Like, listen, this was one of the things that Paul cautions his protege about. And it is really natural for us to fall into this sort of thinking, um, to do it. And I, I know you would, it, it doesn't make sense to do it for financial gain. Cause I don't know if you know this, but the market for th- that <laughs> isn't as good as probably it was in, in those times. Yeah, right? And you mean like the, well, I mean the market for motivational speakers is huge, is huge nowadays, right. which is basically what sophists were then. They were right? absolutely so, so and, and what they felt like I think a lot was how do we get how do you get started with that? Cuz you can't be a you can't start out and be a crappy motivational speaker. Yeah. And so Paul was worried, well, you're going to come in and use this platform cuz all of a sudden you can work on your craft with a smaller group of people who the common connection is not your leadership. The common connection is religious convictions about who Jesus was, but they'll listen to you. So then you can hone your craft and get better and then go out and do these types of things. And at yeah. that point, then this whole church thing has simply been a stepping stone to what you really wanted to do, which is go chase money. Yeah. Um, which has been a stepping stone for lots of pastors who have stepped out of ministry, who were yeah. in ministry, got famous, wrote some books and got some speaking gigs and now no longer do pastoral ministry. And all they do is travel the, the speaking circuit and, and then write more books and, and things. And, and um, so I, I remember hearing a pastor talk about um, how he, he really doesn't, um, tr- he tries not to listen to, pastors who are not currently involved in a local church oh that makes sense um in the same way that as a business person um i would be very skeptical of somebody who no longer is involved in a business and actually leading a business and now operates as a professional um outside of it who who speaks to it they may be able to have insights for that but listen 
business evolves, the way that you do business evolves, the way that church works evolves. And and the longer you're out of it, the less you have, I think, the authority to speak about it. And so I think it works on a practical sense, but also it just works on, a, I think, just an ego sense and just uh, yeah. just worried about it and cautions about that. So anyways, that's the kind of stuff I was processing through as I'm, as I'm reading through this. And, <laughs> and so it meant a lot to... Uh, it, I think it meant a lot to the text, but I th- it probably that piece means more to me outside the text as I think about my job vocationally and why I value pastoral work and what's all involved in that. And anyways, so it's a bigger piece to me than that. So those would be the, like the two or a couple of things that were, were takeaways for me yeah. that just didn't get a lot of time to spend on because I don't think you care. Like, I don't think the average person cares about what I think about pastoral work. Does that make sense? Yeah, probably not. Right. Um, <laughs> so then I have to take it to a podcast and do this. Uh, anything else from you uh, that you've thought of? Uh, no, I thought I thought you pretty much nailed it. So I don't know. Just that I think one of the th- big takeaways I've gotten from both is the caution of making our things our gods. Um. So yeah, minimal. Like each time you've talked about minimalism is great or this thing is great, but you need like that caution of making it not about that as the like end all be all self-sufficiency but making sure that we're adding like minimalism is great and yes you need to be affirmation with caveats is the biggest thing for me because you um like i can read all kinds of self-help books and i can read all kinds of um uh like uh, financial independence books or any any really really helpful like good life advice stuff and and you can you can almost like you can either do a couple of things. One, you can like Christianize it. Then you can add a couple of verses in to kind of justify what you're trying to do and like proof text the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the church, the the better approach for the church in the long run has been, yeah, that's good. You should have your life in order. You should be able to, I, you should be able to have financial independence so that you're not a slave to the, the lender <coughs> or the people who, uh, you, I, I want you to be able to do things in your life um, that cost money, that, that bring joy to your family and, and invest in your kids and all that kind of stuff. You have to have financial independence to do that at some, to, to some degree. So yes, but also don't forget, right? Yeah. That's been the whole, that's been the mantra of the church forever. And it, when it comes to minimalism, same thing. Like, it's really good. I think what Marie Kondo's doing, and I want you to watch Tidying Up, and I want you to clean your house out better, and I, I want you to be less tied to your stuff, but also um, remember that in the process. So Yeah, but don't make that the, like, the god of your life yep. either so right yep like it's that balance of like yeah this is great and remember why you're doing it yeah or like you're doing it so that you have freedom from your things so you can better able to fulfill your calling from god or do whatever you need to do in those terms so. yep uh if you're looking for like um to dive deeper into some of the the especially the stoic philosophy stuff of Artakea and the self-sufficiency piece which i think that like that's a black hole deep that you can go into and really find some significant value of, of the value of of being self-sustained uh the value of not needing other things and why that was so critical to them why it's still appealing 2000 years later um so if you type the word notes or send the word notes to our um oh man i don't i don't remember the no- 
What is it? Nine seven. I don't know. I don't know either. Crap. <laughs> Here's what I know you can do. Go to eastlaketricities.com slash notes. That's what you should uh-huh. do. Um, I included a link to the Wikipedia for that. I, I would tell you you can just type it in, but you're going to have to have a piece of paper and a pen to be able to write down how to spell this word. Um, it's A-U-T-A-R-K-E-I-A. Um, I, I just don't know that you would do it. But if you, if, you, uh, if you go to notes, there's a link to it. You can just click on that and spend 15 minutes of your time um, like understanding why this was such a prevalent thought for um, that that current po- like political climate or um, philosophical climate for then and, and how we're not that much different, man. Like that's still, we, we still want to be self-sustaining as a country. We want to, we're like, we don't want to get our oil reserves from, we don't want to be paying other people. We want to do it our own. We want to do this. This is why people get off the grid and, and raise their own chickens and milk their <laughs> own cows. Cause I don't want to have to, I want to, if, if everything goes to crap, I want to be able to survive. Like that's, that feels humanizing for a lot of people mm-hmm. it feels like i'm in control a little bit more um and uh yeah anyways so it's good stuff in that yeah check that out all right let's jump to our something interesting yeah. every uh, week we try and close off with things that we have found that have been interesting for us an interesting read a show we've watched a movie we've watched something along those lines you want to go first sure okay um i have shout out to margot gregory for this uh, something interesting today um this is from <laughs> This is from Atlas Obscura is the site that it's on. And it is about, it's called the pitch drop experiment. Um, So pitch is a tar-like substance. It's very thick and um, for a long time. On trees. Pitch on trees. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, well, or like, I think you do roof with, you like roof with it Uh sometimes. Um, Hard tar-like substances. Yeah. So pitch is the name of a number of hard tar-like substances. Um. Oh, this this particular pitch is bitume, bitumen, bitumen. Okay. Um, and this experiment takes place in Australia at Queensland University or University of Queensland, sorry. And it was started in 1927 by Professor Thomas Parnell. And he so for before that time, a lot of people thought pitch was solid at room temperature, um, but Professor Parnell believed that it was actually in fact liquid, and so he did an experiment to well he started an experiment to prove that it was liquid, and um, so he put pitch in a funnel and that was closed and let it settle for uh, I think it was like a year or something. Um, uh, Yes. Uh, no, three years. He let the pitch settle for three years to make sure it was like completely room temperature solid. And then he cut the bottom of the funnel and then watched it and then watched it. So the experiment is still going on. Um, <laughs> Professor Parnell um, passed away in 1947 and he got to see, well, he got to record two drops of the pitch while he was living. Interesting. Um, and so far it has dropped nine times. The last one occurred on April 24th, 2014. And um, they now have, they've never had a drop be seen, um, but they now have a webcam up so you can actually go and watch it. If you So they just walked in the next day and like it after was, yeah. 30 years and all of a sudden there's a drop on the paper below. Well, and no, the like, first one took, um, it was like eight years. Three, so yeah. pitch was, uh, if I remember my Jurassic Park 
stuff. Oh, yeah. That was where the mosquitoes were captured so, in, yeah. which has had the blood and the DNA of dinosaurs, which is what yeah. they used to recreate it. Yeah. So there you go. To but, give so you this image. is the proof that... I, I mean, it's not like real science, by the way, <laughs> no. guys. I know, I'm, I'm <laughs> self-aware enough to know that Jurassic Park wasn't real. <laughs> Jurassic World was, but not Jurassic Park. <laughs> Um, so yeah, pitch is in fact liquid at room temperature. Interesting. Just very, very, very viscous, which means it has a slow, like molasses or something. Like, um, so, and it is currently the Guinness book or, or Guinness World Records longest, liquid? nope, longest oh. running science experiment. Oh, oh, because it's still going. Got yep. it. And cool. uh, this, this is the last thing that I thought was really cool. Um, so it has been estimated that there's enough pitch to keep it dripping ever so slowly for another hundred years. Wow. Yeah. Because it only drops like every eight or nine years. So. Yeah. All right. Mine has to do, uh, it's a follow-up thing from something that happened uh, in late 2016. Uh, there were some American diplomats living in Cuba who had, had gone down there. And this is when like Cuban relations had kind of started to open back up and Things were taking place, and we were like, "Yay, we're getting cigars again!" Um, and uh, <laughs> then what happened is like this strange, like all these U.S. diplomats begin to hear some really, really strange noises uh, at night, specifically, and uh, they all got sick at like the same time. And but the noise is like one of those, like kind of like a dog whistle. Imagine that, where it's like it's so high, like if you're list trying to listen for it, you can't hear it, but it would like it could drive you crazy at night when you're like, I can't sleep and I'm, 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 in, I'm an insomniac now and I don't feel good and all. And so what they thought at that time was that the Cuban government was doing some sort of a like weird, uh, aggressive action against them to be like, all right, well, we're going to blast these like sonic waves and like really mess you. If you're going to be here, we're going to make it miserable for you to be here. Which um, is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like there are definitely some things about some uh, government yeah. stuff that you couldn't put it past some people, right? Um, Side note. Yeah. I lived on Guantanamo Bay as an infant. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, I remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah. And my mom said that when the Navy people would go into the bay to do training, that the Cuban guards would chuck in like a dead animal, like raw dead animals that to attract sharks into the bay so that the like training would have to stop and yeah. have to leave. So if that's if that happened, <laughs> I'm saying that far off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there was like a ton of questions about s surrounding it. And the unsolved mystery sort of became solved a little bit re recently because they found out that there is a specific type of cricket that lives on that only, like, I think only in that area is a, um, what's it called? Hang on just a second. It is a, oh, come on. They blame the wrong species. It's a, oh, now I don't have it, but anyways, a, a unique cricket to that area, and the frequency at which it, it operates and does its kind of whistling, it's really hard to track and monitor. Um, so now they have this answer to be like, oh, okay, so it really wasn't the Cuban government. Now, but they can't <laughs> figure out why it all made them sick, because they definitely did get also yeah. physically sick, physically ill, and so whether that's a food poisoning thing or adjustment to the culture or something that, that is definitely the space, but crickets ha are, are to blame. Uh, and then this article that I will link to in the Atlantic, um, talks about other examples of things that have like weirded humans out for a while and we can't explain it and then it turns out to be just some animal like doing its thing and we're just not <laughs> familiar enough with our with our silent uh, our, our science to be able to make this happen but anyways uh there you go crickets so hopefully you don't have any crickets outside of your well not right now it's too dang cold for them but that's true uh uh yeah it'll be awesome all right 
Uh, that'll do it for this week's yeah. episode of Say Something Interesting. This Wednesday, we have our next round of pub theology taking place uh, here at the theater. Actually, we're going to take it over to Kagan's next door, a little after-hours party. Um, so the concept behind uh, that now is we, we've got two things. Every other month, we're either doing a pub theology, which is where we listen to a, a podcast that's related to theology or religion, uh, and then meet together and talk about it. We don't listen to the podcast together. We just talk about the context of it. Uh, and then on the flip months, on the what uh, odd, uh, even months, we do a thing called film and theology, where we watch some sort of a documentary and do the same thing. So it's either podcast or documentary. I just feel like... Um, a lot of people our age are kind of getting their interesting stuff and facts and news in those mediums, and yeah. we want to capitalize on it. So um, uh, this month we are listening to a podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. I don't get a chance to listen to it all that often, but when I do, I really, really love it. It's called um, The Bible for Normal People by Peter Enns. Um, him and I think one of his previous <coughs> students, he's a teacher and writer and author and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one of his previous students is is a co-host with him. They brought on Greg Boyd, who's a pastor in Minnesota. He wrote a fantastic book called The uh, Benefit of the Doubt, which we did a series on like four years ago, maybe <laughs> three years ago. Um, and in this one, he just wrote a new book on um, the crucifixion, like atonement theology, which I know sounds kind of difficult, but why would Christ have to die? What does that have to do with anything in terms of the wrath of God against sin and all that stuff? So divine judgment is the actual topic of it. Um, so if you get a chance, um, even if you can't make it on Wednesday night, um, if you go to our Marketplace page and look at the Pub Theology, there's a link to that podcast. Uh, download that one. Uh, he also had an episode with Richard Rohr that was fantastic uh, and an episode with uh, Rob Bell that was pretty good, too. So uh, you'll have to kind of go back, scroll back. Those are one of the earlier episodes now. They're in, like, the second season, so it's a little bit further down. But check it out or come on Wednesday night and hang oh. out with us. And uh, everybody brings a little craft brew to share, and we have a great time with it. It's awesome. So, all right, that'll do it for this week's episode. So thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on the socials. I'm at Brent Johnson, uh, J-O-H-N-S-E-N. Megan? Um, at Meg Bojan, B-E-A-U-J-O-N. And together, the podcast is at Eastlake Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I don't think we have an Instagram yet, but we're, we'll, because uh, Twitter for us is an easier way to kind of, yeah. sh- you know, send out like links to the things that we've talked about, like these crickets and uh, this like SAT project. So uh, make sure to check in with us there and always as always uh, we'll catch you next week have a great yep. week guys bye see ya